Welcome to the Swim Swam Podcast. I'm your host, Coleman Hodges. Joining me today, we've got a very special guest. She is the head coach of the Miami of Ohio Red Hawks, who just took home the MAC Men's Championship 2021 title. Uh, and for the women, they placed third at the Women's MAC Championships. Today, we are sitting down with Holly Bonowit Crone. Hi there. Have you great to sit down and debrief with you? I know the last two weeks have been quite a whirlwind for you. Uh, we were just discussing this. The the men's meet actually took place before the women's MAC championships this year. Can you take me through what led to that process? Sure. So at the beginning of the year, all the MAC head coaches decided to get together and decide if we wanted to move our championships. At the time, it seemed like a really great idea. And I think now having had the championships, I think it was still a great idea. But knowing full well that it was going to come after the NCAA championships, what really went into the decision was aligning with the Missouri Valley coaches because they they coach both men and women as well. And so we wanted to align the coaches with the women's meet with the Missouri Valley women's meet, which made a lot of sense to be April 15th through the 17th. The question came up to have the men's meet after the women's meet as traditionally that happens and, and how that takes place. But, um, you know, I and maybe a couple other coaches stepped in and said a lot of our international athletes are going to be heading back to their home countries to compete in their respective Olympic trials. So the end of April is not really the best time to have a championship if we want to be, um, you know, fully prepared, fully loaded with our teams, with athletes. So the question then came up, could we then host it the weekend before the women's meet? We were all in agreement. Our facility ended up hosting the men's meet, which it was set to come to Miami this year anyway. And our um, facility was able to do a really good job hosting it. So at the end of the day, it was a very unique circumstance, um, but it worked out really, really well. And, and before uh, we get into that working out really well, especially on the men's side, especially, um, you brought up an interesting point, which is a lot of these mid-major D1 conference meets happened after the Division One NCAAs, which was, <laughs> to me, certainly unexpected. I Obviously, I should have known this. I should have been doing a better job on my end, but, you know, like we do NCAAs and then uh, on any other normal year, you kind of have a, a down period. And this year it's like, whoa, college conference meets <laughs> like everywhere. There was a lot of them. Um, so it, maybe just in your circumstance, can you take me through why it was ultimately decided for the MAC conference to have their conference meet after the uh, Division One NCAAs? Well, I think there was a lot of ambiguity and uncertainty with when each of the teams were going to be able to start their practices back up again. Some, some teams were able to get back into their facilities over the summer, some not until the fall. And in our case, we weren't able to jump back in the water until October 12th. And so there was a lot of that negotiation and discussion on our head coach's call to determine what was going to be in our best interest. And I can tell you that a lot of coaches were, were very much in agreement with moving the championships. We took all things into consideration. 
including the NCAA championships and um, coaches who have traditionally had athletes at that championships. How, how were we and they going to prepare to have athletes um, potentially qualify? We did have several schools in our conference that qualified athletes for NCAAs, and they did that through either invitationals or last chance meets. And that was really the deciding factor is could we get in last chance meets and invitationals um, that would allow our athletes to still qualify for the NCAA championships while still holistically providing a great opportunity for all of our athletes to compete at a, at a conference level too. And that, that was the first thing that came to mind is that just everyone's situation was so different this year. Um, especially if it's not a, a huge university, you know, the, the swim team at any given university might not get a priority on getting their pool space back. It's just, you know, a lot, a, a lot of different variables for everyone to have to go through. And so, um, it's really great hearing your perspective on that and great to hear that you did take all those cons- all the factors into consideration and and a lot of these mid-major schools still did have NCAA qualifiers which was great to see at the NCAAs and then as a swim fan you just get to keep watching college conference meets which was a blast <laughs> um so let's 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 move it to the the men's MAC championships um you guys were hosting how did you feel about the men's team heading into this meet Well, if I'm being perfectly candid, our men's team, um, there's a lot of history that goes along with leading up to this particular championship. Uh, We we had won two years ago, and that electric feeling that we felt hosting it two years ago again was was amazing. We kind of went through some hurdles. I think last year, just things didn't click quite correctly the way we wanted it to at the end of the year. And so subsequently, Missouri State did win the championship and, you know, they did a great job last year. Uh, this year they did as well. And they, they were giving us a run for our money, um, as were the other teams. But when we stopped, stepped off the pool deck at Southern Illinois last year, there was a very impactful mindset from all of our returners that we, we did not want to step off the pool deck again uh, in a similar fashion um, as last year. And so their commitment was very profound, even when facilities were being shut down um, at respective club programs when they were back home. Um, they still found a way to train. They, they did a lot of dry land. They did a lot of, uh, running things like that. They did battle ropes. They did just, just more so dry land exercises when they couldn't be in the water. And depending on where they were, some athletes were able to still stay in the water, get back into their facilities. So there was definitely a clear mindset that they were not going to let any, they were not going to take anything for granted leading into this championship, And once they came back to school, our facility started to reopen before we could even host official practices. And our athletes started getting back in the water very, very quickly. And um, there there was just a, I would say, a commitment both in the pool and also away from the pool. So our athletes were very committed to the goals. And I think that really lended, lended itself well to their, their ultimate win and just the way they wanted to dominate at the end of the year. Yeah, I was, I was going to ask about that because, you know, you, you get to the end of a conference championship, it doesn't go the way you want. You, you know that feeling, you know, that's not a good feeling, but it doesn't always 
doesn't always stick with you in the way you might hope it does with the team. Um, and especially, especially when a global pandemic starts um, and then you're not in the pool for, what was that? You guys were out till October. So, you know, seven months. Um, yeah. And so you, you hit on it that they were still motivated. They were getting in the water as soon as they could, even when you couldn't have official practices. Was that something that you as a coaching staff were, were trying to keep in the back of their heads, not only to stay motivated, obviously, but, you know, hey, remember, remember that conference meeting? Or was that something that was very kind of self-driven for the team? I would say it was a little bit of both. I'm going to be perfectly honest. It was a lot of self-driven motivation by the team. We have an incredibly mature group of athletes that were not only returners, but our newcomers came in and they were extremely mature. They were steadfast and they were proactive. And the talk of winning another championship really stemmed from the group that had come back from winning that championship two years ago. And it was really, um, a lot of it was really led by our seniors, our seniors who stepped up and decided that they were going to um, take the extra steps that it required. And, you know, they're a very smart group of, of young men and they were running the numbers even before we stepped off the pool deck um, a year ago. They, they knew, they knew what they had to do. They knew that it not only took um, athletes winning events, but especially providing the depth that, that we needed to, to really get the job done and accumulate the points we needed and early on in the meet. So without jumping ahead, I'll, I'll bring it back to, yes, this was, this was a very um, mindful team that that committed in and of themselves. And we as coaches definitely sent the message home and reiterated with them, even when it was just Zoom calls that we were doing with our communication, because there was a period of time where we could only communicate through Zoom calls and maybe, you know, obviously text messages and phone calls. But as a collective, it was Zoom calls. Yeah. Yeah. And then... We're, I'm going to get to the meat, but um, that's fine. Just, just one last question of kind of the, the, the run up to it when, you know, obviously um, the meat was later than normally is uh, by two months. Is that accurate? Yeah. And so do you feel like you got, you know, even though you got in the pool or in the water with official practices two months later, do you feel like you kind of got the feel of a whole season? I personally feel yes, um, because we did delay the meet. I, I suppose it was actually a month later that we competed than what we normally would. Our men's championship is typically the beginning of March and we hosted the beginning of April. And so I would say having been delayed nearly two months coming in, I think maybe there was a month that we missed, but I really don't feel as though we missed anything because we were able to have such consistent training and we ended up splitting up our, our team into pods. And that was something very unique to the protocols that were set forth because of COVID and through our department. But at the end of the day, it was a great opportunity for us to see athletes a lot more individually and correct things a little bit more regularly so that our athletes became that much more disciplined in what they were doing in their training. It seems it seems like you you were able to adapt well. They were the athletes were self motivated, and then we get to the MAC championships, which you were all were hosting. 
um, to to just jump ahead at the end and to give our audience a little bit of context, the the men won by 245 points. I know you were trying to be a, a good sport and say that Missouri State gave you a run for your money, but to <laughs> me that seems like it was a bit of a blowout. But I'll I'll let you, um, you know, just kind of share your highlights, share how the meet went, um, for for, for this team to ultimately come out with the win. Well, again, we always like to learn from our history. And so two years ago when we won, it was a very, um, <laughs> a very tense meet up until the last day. And our athletes, who, our returners who came back, our juniors and seniors, they, they did not want that. So they really systematically started collectively talking as a group, you know, with the coaches and saying, okay, we need this number of athletes in this event, in this event, in this event. And they went all the way through. Eventually, you know, their their goal, they, they almost hit spot on, including six up in the 100 fly. That was their goal. They, they set out. They said, well, wait, we have this many competitors. We're getting all six in the final heat. And so those kind of goals, I think, really motivated the team. I think the very first day winning the relays was just a big, um, you know, reassurance that we were on the right track. And, you know, traditionally, and this is something that is unique this year, we did change the format of the meet in some ways. We originally were a three and a half day meet with the 200 medley relay and the 800 freestyle relay falling on Wednesday night because of our need to, you know, be conservative fiscally. Um, that was a conference decision we ended up moving those two relays back to what had traditionally been the middle day. Mm -hmm. And so we then moved to a, a three-day meet. And so now we're talking about not starting with relays, um, you know, on that first night only, but now you have relays and individual events. So it was really neat just to see how, and I'm covering a lot of things here in this one statement, but to see our athletes really piece together what we needed to do from a relay perspective and from an individual perspective, both in the water and on the boards. And we're constantly running the numbers. And, you know, I have a fantastic staff that runs the numbers ahead of time. We have Excel sheets for days that shows hypotheticals of if this, then this, and that also impacts who we put in events and how we scratch athletes out of events. <clears throat> Which Someone was I, someone I talked to was like the the crappy part about NCAA's is that you have to enter you have to do your three entries and then like that's that I think it was Todd DeSorbo of uh, of Virginia because yeah. um, because it makes it so much more fun and it gives you so many more options if you enter someone in five events or seven events and then it, you know there can be so much more strategy involved and so much more parity involved and so that at any meet that allows that especially a scored one where it's for a team title it seems a lot more fun to me it is a lot of fun because i i just take the the mantra i guess of not wanting to show my poker hand and so that's where it really becomes interesting and we did that both at the men's meet and the women's meet so it was really fun just to see how things were evolving and the, the way in which we needed to scratch athletes at a certain events to be, be the most impactful. We're a uh, quick bit of context. Is it, are there three finals that score or is it just two? 
There are two. There's the A okay. final and the B final. Okay. Is there a C final or is it just A and B? There's no C final. Okay. And there has not been too much discussion about that in the MAC. We have eight women's teams and five men's teams. Next year we'll have six. Um, and there still is just the conversation to have A and B finals only. Wow. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. So that's, that's pretty unique, uh, at least compared to, uh, compared to power five conferences and how they do things. That's pretty interesting, but it also makes for a lot more gamesmanship. I'm sure. Um, was there for the men's meet, was there a biggest standout of someone swimming an event that you didn't necessarily expect them to? Um, from our team, yes, I had traditionally put Ryan Sego in the 400 IM and he's a pretty accomplished flyer and he ended up winning the hundred fly, um, because I scratched him out of the four IM and he swam the hundred fly instead. So, you know, from that perspective, it was nice just to see athletes like him, athletes that, you know, can be extremely versatile in each of their respective events. But, you know, for someone who's trained 400 IM for the vast majority of their career to come in and now win 100 fly, I think that was what was really neat. And yes, he's asking to get out of the 400 IM group uh, as we speak. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so that's interesting, especially because you said or you mentioned um, that I'm sorry, that you had six up that's in the 100 fly. Yeah. Uh, so what went into that decision of scratching him in the 4am? Was that just him wanting to do the 100 fly instead? Or was there was there a score thing that made sense to do it that way? Well, yes, it did. Because there is traditionally fewer athletes entered in the 400 IM. And we had already set our number of 400 IMers that we felt could score um, both in the, the A final and the B final. Um, but the hundred fly is, is pretty competitive and it's pretty deep. And so we really wanted to start carving out the points, um, as soon as, as soon as we got to that event. So, you know, we had the 400 IM, we had the hundred fly. And, and by that point we knew we had made the right decision. I mean, we had athletes that, that were getting the job done in the 4 AM, but specifically with that hundred fly, um, we wanted to stack it two years ago, again, learning from history two years ago, we had five up in the, in the 200 fly on the very last day. Well, it was the last day. And that's where we knew that we were starting to take control of the meat, but we did not want to wait that long for this year. And so as we were accumulating more and more points, um, you know, we, as a coaching staff and I made the decision to go ahead and throw down in the hundred fly just to go ahead and get that extra buffer and cushion. <laughs> I, I love hearing about what goes into these decisions. Uh, and I'm looking at the results now. You, so you had yeah, a freshman <laughs> win the 400 IM, uh, by, you know, just over half a second. So seems like there's a, there's a pretty close race there. Three freshmen in the 400 IM were one, two, three, Missouri state went two and three. Yeah. Uh, but then, but then you came back in the, and so you won the 400 IM. So it seems like that decision paid off. And then in the hundred fly, uh, Miami swimmers go one, two, three, five, six, seven, with uh, the junior yeah. Ryan Sego, as you mentioned, forty-seven ninety-two for the win. Um, yeah. So, 
how how great was that to have six up in the hundred fly final as a coach just to be like, gosh, I made the right decision. <laughs> well, and it, it the great thing about it, it was kind of a, a two team dual meet in that a final between Evansville and Miami. So that was what was kind of unique about it is to see where we would all end up with you know their their two competitive athletes. I'm looking at the results too on on my phone. So, <laughs> um, you know, I think. One of the gambles that we take is we have athletes who will double on that day, specifically in the 100 fly and the uh, 100 backstroke. We had one athlete in that event that doubled the 100 fly and the 100 breaststroke. Um, So, you know, you're talking about athletes that are really accustomed to, and I'm just looking at, yeah, there's probably three athletes of those six that did not double that day, uh, or two athletes rather. yeah. And I'm, hang on. Let me, let me double check me here. I, I don't want to give false information. Um, there's one there's yeah, I, I believe it's two. So, um, but yeah, they're going to be doubling on that day. And that's, what's really great is they, they typically did not have an event that first day. So this was their opportunity to really showcase what they can do in both of these doubles. And that first double would have been the hundred fly. And so I think that was what was really exciting is you had a, a group of athletes that were ready just to run out of the gates and get the job done. So after day one, what Mm -hmm. was the, what what was the scoring looking like knowing that you hadn't fired a lot of those races? It was pretty close. I don't recall the exact scoring on that first day, but it was close enough for me to, you know, continually ask my staff, okay, let's run these numbers again. Let's determine what we need to do, especially with scratches for the last day um, to make sure that we're putting ourselves in position. And we are very strong and very deep in a lot of our events um, as are the other teams. So we really had to figure out their calls and tells to determine where they were going to scratch their athletes and who was going to swim in which events, because these teams that they have equally the number of athletes that are very versatile. So they can swim in a multitude of events, you know, five, six events and do very well. And that was what the gamesmanship was really about. And that was what was really fun, a bit stressful. I'm not going to lie. I mean, after that first day, it was a lot of, of mental math, just making sure that we were doing what we need to do. And, and then as, from the coaching perspective, how do you keep the athletes you know, how how do you calm them down saying, Hey, it's close now, but we know that on day two, a lot of us are doubling a lot of, you know, our points are going to go up maybe a little more than it's showing right now. Well, that's, what's so unique about um, this team is that again, they self-regulate that within themselves, their confidence level was through the roof and they, they keep it in check. They're extremely humble, but in the same breath, they're extremely confident so they, they were not shuddered in any way about what the score was or with the score on the, after the first day, um, with it being a little bit closer. And then the second day, they just walked in and decided they wanted to, to really perform and perform, like I said, in the water and on the boards. And it was, it was that team effort. And I think that's where they carry the load of the success on all of their shoulders as opposed to it just falling on one or two athletes to get the job done. And I think that's where we really excelled and that's where their trust in one another really was impactful. And so then after that second day, 
do you remember, you know, around where the score was or just how, how, how much in the lead you were, I assume you were in the lead after the second day and then how, how you felt heading into that third day. Yeah, we were in the lead after the second day. Um, but it was still, uh, I guess we were still in a position where anything could have happened and we couldn't take our foot off the gas pedal. Um, you know, all gas, no brakes. That's what, that's sometimes what our team says. And so they had to really step up, get ready for the next day, get up in the morning. And one of the things that we really send home as coaches is getting the job done in the morning, you know, find, find your place at night, you know, that place ideally is top eight, but get the place at night and have, have fun or have, get that place in the morning and have fun at night and get your hand on the wall. So I, I think a lot of them, they forsake with the times they were going. Now, many of them did go best times, season best times. There was no question that they were successful in and of their individual goals. But this team collectively went for the team goal. And so it was really more about getting their hand on the wall and getting the places they needed, even over their individual success. And so then, you know, af- after the meet, um <laughs> Were they able to walk out with with a with a bit of a different feeling than the last year? And, you know, just having getting to sit with that for a day or two before going to the women's meet. I mean, do you did do you feel like they were in a visibly different place? Yes. Yes. They they were still very confident. Not much had changed in, in terms of the confidence, but in the same breath, I mean, just that sense of relief and you know, having our seniors be as emotional as they, as they were for, and, and happy, you know, emotionally happy, um, kind of sad that it's all over, but in the same breath, knew, they all knew they did their job and they did it well. And that leadership is really what carried this team, you know, through the years, not only their four years, but especially this past year through a pandemic and making sure that the team was ready to go for the end of the year. And they, they walked off that deck with a, a new level of swagger and really, really pumped not only for that, for themselves, but also for our women's team that were now able to compete after them. And so it was a, it was a really good camaraderie between both teams. Um, I think the only disadvantage to this year is that we didn't have our spectators. Um, we had a few spectators, so we were allowed 22 per team. Um, but we are accustomed to our phenomenal alumni coming back into town and just packing our facility. We had that two years ago and we missed them this year. And, and we certainly hope things do go back to normal because they're, they're some of our biggest supporters, if not our, our absolute biggest supporters in, in our alumni. But yeah, our men's team is definitely walking on cloud nine and excited. Um, but you know, we, we definitely bring them back down to earth and we tell them that next year starts today, actually yesterday. So, you know, (laughs) um, and probably a week ago yesterday, but, but it it starts now and they know that. And there, we already have, you know, a lot of athletes that are just, you know, getting back into it, recommitting and, you know, wanting to, to do well this summer leading into next year. Do you feel like, or have you had a conversation with these seniors about this extra year of eligibility? Is that a very, very much a um, athlete by athlete decision or how, how have you handled that as a coach? Well, I've talked with every individual senior on the team to ask them about what that looks like for them. 
the the double-edged sword in all of this, which is a really good thing, is at Miami, internships, jobs, um, professional schools, those decisions are made in their junior year oftentimes. So our, our athletes are getting jobs at the end of their junior year. So the decision is literally almost made before they even come in for their senior year. And certainly before the NCAA made the decision about that extra year of eligibility. Um, does that mean they could change their mind? Sure, it could. Um, and some of them did waver on that. Some of them, you know, thought, could I prolong med school? Could I prolong my job opportunity? At the end of the day, you know, they decided to, to continue on with that, with, the, with their previous commitment. And I, I think all of the conversations were extremely positive. They, they have a, a very special place for their experience here. I think at the end of the day, they're, they're ready to be done. You know, a traditional experience is four years. Um, but, you know, we did have those discussions and I, I feel pretty good about how healthy those discussions were about looking at all the pros and cons of, of doing one versus the other. And I mean, and especially for the seniors of this class, what a way to, what a career to have and what a way to go out with winning the sophomore year having that disappointment in their junior season and then coming back their senior season and being able to finish on such a high note. Yes, exactly. So that that's, that's really cool to hear. And it's, it's just really interesting talking to coaches and athletes about this extra year of eligibility because it again causes just so many variables, but um, you know, so, so the men had such a high um, for their conference meet. How did that steamroll into the women's meet the following week? Uh, really incredibly. Our women were on another level. They had just really come together this year. They were very, um, concentrated on their goals as well. And, um, I think they, they mapped out what they thought they could do. And I feel as though they exceeded that. I feel as though they exceeded those expectations, which is fantastic. That's what you want a team to do in and of themselves, you know, as opposed to trying to convince a team of that. They were very, very, um, I don't know, just, I, I use this word a lot, but just steadfast in what those goals were and the realistic nature of those goals. And so, um, you know, the women were ready to get on the bus and see what they could do. And they were, you know, and, and here's what, here's what our teams do. Our women sent the men off. So we had a send off for the men where we did the fight song in the parking lot. Well, the transverse side is the men were all in the parking lot. We did the fight song again before the women got on the bus to head up to Eastern Michigan. So, you know, that that's, speaks volumes about the character of this team and the culture that this team has, has been over the last few years. And again, to give some context for this women's Mac championships, uh, Buffalo and Akron, a, a very close battle for first Buffalo taking the win by seven points over Akron and then Miami of Ohio coming in third at 436 and a half points. Uh, also having the Mac freshman swimmer of the year in Nicole Mayer. Am I saying that right? Meyer, Nicole Meyer, my apologies. Mm -hmm. uh, and okay. so, so you said they had some goals and you thought they were realistic and they exceeded the goals um, as a team. What would you mind sharing what, what those goals were heading into these Mac championships? 
Well, I, I think what we were looking at, um, you know, and, and just to recap on the men's side, we also had the freshman of the year and swimmer of the year with Henry Duvenage. And so, you know, having that now parlaying into our women's meet, our women really thought that they could move up a place last year. We were fourth. And so third was a real possibility um, and a reality but they knew it, it would not be easy. And so, um, you know, they, they really put together the key ingredients that they needed and we, we were there to help them and support them the whole way, but they knew they had to get after it the very first day. Again, we don't, we didn't have those relays to start us off. And so now we're talking about two relays, three individual events, you know, a diving event, um, where again, our divers did a really great job contributing to our team points that I think our women saw after the first day that they could just continue to steamroll everything and it would, it would come, you know, closer and closer to reaching those goals, you know, and then we had an event winner, event winners with, um, uh, Nicole Mayer, Mayer, Meyer, see, I'm, I'm messing it up too. <laughs> that was my, that's my fault. That's my fault. <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, there is an A after the M, but um, yeah, Nicole Meyer, who, you know, every day in practice, along with our other athletes is, is top notch. Um, You know, she, she busts her tail every single day. And, um, you know, I think there was some expectations, but she more than exceeded those. I remember having a conversation after her morning 500 and telling her what she needed to hold each of those fifties. Um, and she did it, she more than did it. And so that, I think that's where it was really neat to have that close, you know, coach athlete relationship to be able to see an athlete respond to that communication as do all of our athletes. I mean, she's not unique to those conversations, but it was just really neat to see that matriculate into what ended up being a Mac conference record. Uh, and again, was there, was it, were there certain highlights or, or I'll ask the same question. Was there, uh, an event that surprised you that an athlete ended up swimming that they did, wouldn't have normally swam on the women's side. That's a little tougher to pinpoint because a lot of our athletes are locked into their individual events. I would say again, going back to Nicole, she could have easily have swam the 200 freestyle, her lead off time on the 800 freestyle relay while the results malfunctioned, she did lead off in a 145.5. That would have won the individual event. But, you know, my decision to put her in the 4 a.m., it was really six of one, half dozen of another. It was a, a game day decision. And I felt as though we needed that depth in the 4 a.m. And I felt as though our 200 freestyle already had some depth to be able to get the job done. And, and we did, you know, I, I think we did what we needed to, and we were able to spread out some athletes, but I would say probably Nicole's, um, Nicole coming out of the 200 free to go in the 4am. <laughs> How did she feel about that? <laughs> Nicole is a, is a woman of few words. Um, she, she just is very quiet, soft-spoken, um, but she was more than okay with it. She trained, trained that way all season long. I mean, she was, uh, you know, very impactful in our 400 IM group. And I think, um, you know, her going into the 4 IM was a no brainer, but then leading her off the A free relay, we also wanted to see what she was capable of. So that's only going to help us in the future decide which athletes need to go in the respective events. So who knows, she may be back in the 4 IM next year. She may be in the 200 freestyle, but I can assure you that she'll be entered in both. 
that that's pretty exciting moving forward yeah. <laughs> as a as a swim fan myself that's that's great to hear uh so i so i want to wrap this up it seems like um you know miami had two really successful conference meets and you spoke a lot about how these athletes were very self-motivated as a team and their goals and what they wanted to accomplish at these Mac championships. It seemed like they did that as teams, um, for you as a head coach, you're, are you in your thirds? You just finished your third season. Is that correct? I just finished my fifth season. So I've been here five years. Totally incorrect. <laughs> <That's okay. laughs> I, I think I, I read something about, um, how you, the, the finishes in the last three years. So I thought three years, yeah. but so you just finished your fifth season as the head coach of Miami. Um, how do you create an environment for these athletes to, uh, to flourish and to be able to set these goals and self-motivate, um, where you're not pushing these goals on them as a coach, but, but you're creating a space where they can do it themselves. It's a lot of open communication with all of our athletes individually, as well as collectively. So it's really discussing with them what they think they can achieve next year, and then telling me how they can achieve it. I can certainly steer that ship, and I will, as you know, being the head coach, and it's my job to ensure that the, the direction is where it needs to go, but really getting their impact and, and their impactful statements, their impactful goals, and how they see their future and hearing them, you know, discuss it with me, with us as coaches and with each other. More importantly, this is about a collective group that when they come together and they express what those goals are, you know, that high tide does rise all ships. And so I think you're going to see athletes who are extremely motivated because they know that the young woman or young man right next to them has the same goals, if not better. And so I think that's where you're going to see a really nice trajectory in this program moving forward. I mean, Buffalo and Akron on the women's side did a phenomenal job. I mean, I, I couldn't even believe we didn't have spectators and the electric energy and volume of cheering when it came down to the last relay for who was going to win the meet was, was something I will never forget. And I think having our women see that and be part of that and to see that they could be third to those two phenomenal teams is something that's going to bode well for the future of their belief in themselves to potentially be at that level too. I love that. That's, that's that, that's such a great thing to hear that, you know, you as a coach, your team learning from, from these other teams successes and, and just seeing, seeing other teams succeed is, as you said, High tide's going to raise all the ships, um, which is which is really cool. Uh, looking at the time, I think you've had a, a, like fifty five hours since those championships <laughs> ended, something like that. You know, it's been it's been two and a half days um, for for a whirlwind two weeks. In that time, have have you been able to sit and reflect at all about how the season's gone for for both your teams and and you know, kind of parting thoughts you have as a head coach uh, for this whirlwind of a season? I've had a little time to reflect. I've wanted to, you know, continue to reflect this week, um, you know, and, and start to write some things down that are going to be memorable from what we've learned in the past, but also moving forward in how we approach things for the future. And so I really think we're going to build off of what we did this year, both the successes and even some of the hurdles that we had to overcome due to COVID. 
I think, you know, looking at it, I'm already starting to plan next year with the pods. Do we keep the pods? I think that's something that I would like to continue to integrate into our program because it does give us more hands-on one-on-one with the individual athletes. And I feel that's incredibly impactful. I think it builds even greater trust between the, the athlete to the coach and then the coach to the athlete. And that's where I will continue to build on that trust with each individual athlete so that moving forward, they can trust in themselves because they know their coaches trust in them. And so I think that's what's going to be really great with us, you know, reflecting on how we've done and where we can be better because we do have to peel back that onion to see where can we be even better. And we have a phenomenal freshman class coming in on both sides that's going to help to, um, you know, build on this success. So I think it takes a lot of planning. I think it's probably going to be a little bit more planning than reflecting. Um, You know, reflecting will be the foundation and base of what I do in order to plan for the future, because I want to continue to look ahead and see how we can continually be better and better and and grow with this program. I mean, third on the women's side, we haven't done that since um, 2014. And so I think that's that's a step in the right direction. And I remind the women of that all the time. You know, this program is reaching new levels day after day. Well, Holly, I really appreciate getting your insight on this and you taking the time to sit down and chat with me, especially after I I know it's been a busy couple of weeks. Um, Before we sign off today, any parting thoughts for our audience? Um, I mean, I think that the support we got towards the end of the year after the NCAA championships was profound. It was really nice to have coaches reaching out who finished with their seasons. Um, And there were a vast majority of the mid-majors that were still conducting their championships after NCAA. So that support is always, uh, you know, welcomed. um, And it's been really nice just to to feel that, hear that, see that. So um, I thank you. I thank you for bringing me on this podcast. And I'm excited for for what we as a program can do for the future, but especially our conference and just the sport as a whole. You've been listening to the Swim Swam podcast. Stay tuned for new episodes every week. You can take Swim Swim podcasts on the go by subscribing on your favorite podcast platform. Look for links in the description below and be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel for more videos as well.